gentlemen, welcome to another week of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. I'm Elio, he's Ben, and Ben? Yeah. What a horror show we had this week. Oh my god. You know, it's, um, I say it every week, every week now to the point where it's become ad nauseum, but, uh, WWE has just become so physically painful to watch. It's just, I don't understand what they're doing from a product perspective. I don't understand how anybody could find this entertaining. And perhaps more disturbing, I don't understand how anyone in upper management could put these shows on and think to themselves that this was a good show. You know, we did good by the fans. And that's why, that's why I become more and more convinced on a weekly basis that they don't give a shit about us. And, you know, and this um, pandemic era of, of TV has really illustrated that, um, you know, at the forefront of everything, but, you know, even even well before that, I don't you know I don't think they gave a fuck, um, and I think I think I think Vince's attitude is disgusting, and and what I perhaps even the most disturbing thing out of it out of all that we've discussed in the last few months is the fact that um, WWE as a company has made more money during the pandemic era. Um, than at any other point in their history, um, which, which to me is extremely disturbing because that tells me that as a business entity, they believe that they're doing the right thing when really all that they've done is fuck over their fan base on a weekly basis. Well, before we get into all that, how, how was your week? Um... My my week was very uh, was very slow. They're starting to um, to shut places down again because of a uh, reported oh. because of a reported uptick in cases. Um, so yeah, we're not we're not having too much fun over here. You know, you know, I I like I follow the news. Well, I don't really follow the news. I watch it, but. I listen to it like uh, every morning after my alarm goes off the news plays, but I also get notifications on my phone. Yeah. I've been following, and uh, apparently uh, there, there's been a, there's a report card out uh, with, uh, and they gave uh, they gave grades out to how the situation is being handled. Oh God! And what, and what was your grade? For Canada, we got a B for how we're handling the situation. And, and, and I'm just curious, uh, what's the what's the criteria for grading? I, from what I read, it's basically um, just like that whole handling of the situation with like the, the response and uh, how they've um, gone about like with uh, with the way they've gone about uh, reopening, slowly reopening and. And the uh, social distancing and the masks. Oh God! You know, if if I after this is all over with, if I hear the term 
social distancing or right? or or mask or quarantining i'm going to stab somebody in the fucking neck <laughs> Uh, social distance. I swear, I, I not uh, not not literally, people. I'm I'm not I'm not a violent individual. But but one thing that I one thing that I will say is that I get very annoyed when it comes to people being overly sensitive regarding this uh, topic because you know it's just, they make the whole situation worse. Like this. This whole thing is hard enough for everybody to handle, but when you have when you have people trying to tell you what to do, when you already have the government trying to you know tell you what to do, it's just kind of annoying. And and in my area, you know, you're seeing more and more um, cases of like confrontations um, between civilians, and it's just. Like, why? See, so I'm looking at a report card right now. So basically, like, they're just, uh, the main criteria is just like the way the, the countries have responded to this uh, pandemic. So, okay, so they gave Canada a grade of B for how they refound the situation. Yeah. And what's really sad is they gave the United States an F. Well, I'm not, I'm really not surprised by that because you know one we were we were very delayed on the uptake because I've heard that the uh, the World Health Organization did not um, respond fast enough to give us a warning as to what was coming um, because as as recently as like mid to late February like we had no idea that this was coming. And then all, all of a sudden, in, in like the last days of February, it became an all-hands-on-deck situation. And this is ridiculous because I can't even, uh, well, we, we've learned the only way we've been able to see my brother and my niece, and this has been uh, through FaceTime, so hopefully things get better, which it seems like they are here. But even though uh, some clubs <laughs> decided to hold secret parties and got busted by the cops. <laughs> yeah, you, you told me about that one nightclub that got busted. Goldies, jeez. Are they, are they still closed because of the violation? You know what, I'm not sure, but I would imagine they, they, they would be... Like, but because a lot of uh, a lot of the places here have entered, well, the area here has entered to stage three. Some are still are just like still in stage two, but like close to moving to stage three. They're just okay. like taking, they're just taking it like slow and being careful. Well, you, well, you know what the stage four emergency slash clusterfuck is the quality of, of professional wrestling these days. And uh, with that in mind, we will... Yes, we will... why don't we get into this week's uh, wrestling? There was a whole lot. Oh my god, yes. I, as a matter of fact, Elio, of all the shows that we've had, and this is actually uh, number 80 that we're recording right now. Holy um, case, 80 episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I... Going on? How, yeah, how have you put up with me for that long? You, I don't know. You must be a saint. 
I'm gonna have to review the contracts here. <laughs> well, you're stuck with me because I'm the co-creator of this motherfucker. Oh, so, God help me. We're kind of stuck with each other since we kind of mutually created this thing. But, um, but uh, especially extreme rules. Extreme rules was just horrible. After um, a- after the opening match of the New Day versus Shinsuke and Cesaro, that whole uh, pay per view went downhill faster than a-, a sack of bricks. I mean, it's okay, just okay. But Ben, you said something wrong, though. It's not extreme rules. It's the, the horror show at extreme rules. Oh, oh yes! How dare I forget? How dare I forget? After big, all big, 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 because they didn't beat us over the head enough with that, right? <laughs> yes, they, they, they really did. Um, what, what do you think? We get into this pay per view. Yes, I, I think <sighs> we should. One match on the kickoff, it was Kevin Owens versus defeating Buddy Murphy. And I have one one question as to that match. Why in the hell are these two gentlemen on the pre-show? Uh, that's a good question, but apparently uh, this was uh, this was uh, one of the better matches on the Extreme Rules to sh- pay for you in. in- in its entirety, including yeah. the kickoff show. Yeah, well, based based off of what I saw and based off of the reaction that I'm reading right now, I uh, I have no problem believing that. Then we got the, then we got the intro. Now, was it just me? Was this intro too long? Um. Yeah, and and it was um. It was weird because the theme of the intro was the slump fight, and um, I I I time I time I this intro. You know what I have written down? What's that? Two minutes and forty five seconds. Well, yeah, and what and what was really weird was um, it was it was the theme for the entire intro. Um, and not just the swamp fight, but it was clear that the that the swamp fight was the main focus. But yet they were running, uh, they were running footage from all the the different various um, feuds that we have uh, headed into this show. So it was just, it was just kind of weird. This this, um, this was the longest intro I've ever seen. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I may have seen a few longer ones back in the the 90s, 
on the DVDs, but then again, they might have been extended for DVD purposes. I don't know. But yeah, this one was pretty long. All right, so the first match, it was uh, for the SmackDown uh, Tag Team Championships, the New Day losing to Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. This was a surprise. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, I was, I was taken aback by this because... Um, all that that means to me is that um, the New Day is going to have their their ninth uh, championship run beginning at uh, at SummerSlam. That's what that means to me. And, wait, and, well, no, wait. Uh, keep Kofi Kingston's out. Uh, Biggie's uh, going on a singles run now. Well, that, that's a that's a good point because I, I did I did forget about that, and I think. I think he, I forget the spot where he got hurt, but um, I think he got hurt in this match right here. Um, but one, one, the one thing that I that I will say that I I appreciated um, was the tornado tag team uh, simulation because I I felt like that lended itself to a more uh, chaotic slash exciting tables match. Now, it was cool. It was just me. It was Kofi annoying with his him yelling, "You made us do this." Um. Yeah. I mean, Co- Kofi is a freakish athlete. Um. But the one the one drawback from him is that his um his his promo slash Talking skills have never been there. It's always been about the athleticism. So it does come off as a little bit hokey when he starts trying to act like a badass. And he just uh, he yeah. just really needs to let his athleticism speak for itself. Because, hey, because as, we, as we saw in this match, um, you know, when, when they let Kofi shine for what he is, it, it turns out very, very well, and I, and I thought that this was one of the only solid matches on the actual card. So, I, uh, I was impressed by this. Actually, my, my favorite spot was when, um, was when um, Big E launched uh, Kofi to the outside of the ring, but then uh, Cesaro threw the table into Kofi's face. And Kofi just went per splat right into the table. So that was that was the best spot in the entire match. All right. In our next one for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey retaining the title by defeating Nikki Cross. I didn't like the ending. I didn't like this match. No, uh, you know the the um the match. The match itself was, I guess, okay, but the last five minutes um, were—it was just an absolute cluster. Um, so, I um, and the thing that the thing that irritates me, uh, especially especially when it comes to a match involving Bailey and and Sasha on the outside is. Bailey and Sasha have been carrying this division through the entire, uh, you know, quarantine slash COVID era, and and for the for for 
them to have a dud of a, of a match on pay-per-view like that just does a complete disservice to to the two um, highlights of the show during this weird time we have going on here. We had a weird Firefly thump, uh, Firefly Funhouse because it was all Halloween themed. <laughs> we had Bray White dressed as Dracula. Was that was that on this show or was that on the previous SmackDown? I forget which. No, one. that was on uh, on this show on. Uh, okay, yeah, because I I was I was very I was very confused by that. Yeah, like it was like a Halloween theme to Firefly Funhouse. Like, what's going on? Bray White is Dracula. What? Um. Yeah, it, it's just it it just didn't come off right. The whole. The whole swarm fight came off really odd. Well, well um, we're, we're, we're gonna get there because uh, next. No, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking yeah. ahead, but I, I know we're gonna get there. But then uh, no, no, this next one was just stupid. MVP defeat uh, declares himself the new United States Championship by forfeit after the uh, Hurt Business took out Apollo Crews. But you, you actually, I'm not sure if, if the Hurt Business took him out or if it was just announced that, um, that Apollo didn't pass his pre-match physical. Well, well that's, where, that's why, that's why uh, this was a way for them to write him off. Yeah. By saying that they took him out. And uh, so they declared him, uh, he declared himself the United States champion. You know, this is just so stupid. One, because... Because it, it, it insults the fans' intelligence because we all we all know that uh, Apollo didn't fail his his um, pre-match physical. I mean, I mean, when has WWE ever discussed a fucking pre-match physical? Right. Uh, number one, uh, number two. I've heard conflicting reports as to whether or not. Um, Apollo has COVID. I've heard multiple reports that he does, and then one or two reports that he doesn't. But then again, why would he be the the United States champion involved in angle, and him not be written off before the pay per view even went on the air? Because if he has COVID, then that wouldn't that wouldn't have been an issue with him being involved in this match in the first place. Because, you know, if you, if you really think about it, he wasn't on TV for at least three weeks before the pay-per-view. So if they knew he had COVID, then what the fuck are they doing? But whether or not he has COVID, I think this could have just been handled so much better because – you know, like like I said, who in the fuck, you know, has ever has ever had an issue with with a pre match physical? I mean, has that ever been used as as write off material on a show like this? So to me, that was just kind of lame. But is, you know, go ahead. this next match could have been. Wasn't bad, but I just didn't like the stupid stipulation they attached to it. And Ben, did you know that uh, the only way you can win is by extracting your opponent's eye from its socket? 
I heard that, and after my I mean, own... The, they, they beat us over the head with it, I don't know how many times throughout the match. Yeah, and, and well, not only throughout the match, but just throughout the weeks leading up to it. I know. Jeez. You know, and, and, and like you said, you know, the, the match itself was, was perfectly fine. I actually thought the match itself was very good. Um, you know, but when you have a stipulation like this, it just does, it does a gigantic disservice to the talent involved because when you, when you know not going in that the ending is going to be hokey and your entire purpose for watching it is to see how stupid the ending is going to be, then that, that takes away from the entire purpose of having the match. Actually, yeah, I know. Um, t- let me just let me just yeah, uh, on, yeah, say, on. say one more thing. Yeah, you know we have a stipulation where it's someone's gonna have their eye taken out. I mean, you know, yes, wrestling is all about the suspension of disbelief, and and we've had a lot of crazy moments in wrestling, but I uh, would you expect me to take take someone losing an eye seriously, then I would have to say, fuck you. And and I would even go as far as as to say that, you know, this is this is gigantically um, insulting to the fans because um, because it's just when you make us look stupid when we're supposed to believe that this is a serious fight. You know, I got in, I got an issue with that. Um, and I I heard on a, on a, another podcast, and I actually agreed with the guy. You know, he said that he was hoping that nobody he knew was going to be coming over and watching this because, you know, you would think that Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins would be a a good match to show somebody who didn't understand the art of pro wrestling, but now when now when you have a stupid stipulation for that, so I, I think it just did, discredited Mysterio's and Rollins' work, so it, it it didn't land for me. And um, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, this was a retake because they taped another ending where they used like prosthetic for Mysterio's eye. Uh, well, either way, whatever they use, I'll tell you what, that eye looks fake as fuck. Yeah, no, seriously. Like, uh, let's move on. Because uh, just the, the how you say bullshittery and buffoonery. <laughs> yes, that was uh, that was a phrase coined during last week's show. Okay, next we had the Rowling and Championship Asuka versus Sasha Banks. You know, uh, once again, um, the 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 ending was stupid with uh, with Bailey. Uh, yeah, I have a question ta- about that. Taking over as the ref. I have a question about that. Yeah. When did Bailey find time to get a referee's license? <laughs> let, let, let alone, how did she know that that shirt was going to fit her? But nonetheless, <laughs> maybe it's a one size fits all. Apparently, I, I mean, I don't know. But once again, you know, 
This just this just served to put a stupid stamp on the end of a very good match because, like I said, you know any match that involves Bailey is one that I'm, I'm going to want to see. And um, you know I was looking forward to this match. I didn't ha- I didn't have high hope for it coming out of the. Uh, double contract signing along along with Dolph and Drew. I thought that was kind of stupid, but, um, you know, but they actually pulled off um, quite a good match, and it was just, um, you know, everybody everybody else was saying, and I, I agree with them, that up until the um, bullshit ending, the match was spectacular, and um, it could have been, one of the best matches on the main card, but right. it, it, when when it, when you have a match end like that, and then and then you have to have Stephanie McMahon of all people uh, come out the next night on Raw to clear up confusion, it just doesn't help the match at all. All right, and speaking of Dolphin Drew, that's our next match for the WWE Championship: Drew McIntyre defeating Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, so the so he finally revealed the stipulation right before the match, and he he said that it was it was a no it was a no DQ match for him, but um, but Drew still had to follow the rules of a regular WWE match. Um, you know how how stupid does Dolph look? As a result of this disqualification, that that you couldn't even well, not disqualification. I meant just the stipulation um, that you couldn't even beat Drew McIntyre with every single advantage, you know, in in your corner. It, it's just at the end of the day, it just made Dolph look really stupid. And when when you have um, when you have something that is just this um, lopsided, but yet the person that it's supposed to benefit loses, that's that's when my eyes start to roll across the, the desk, and I, I have an issue because it it wasn't even it wasn't even a cl- uh, a uh, a question of whether McIntyre was going to lose. No matter what Drew, or no matter what Dolph threw at him, and Dolph threw everything at him minus the kitchen sink. I mean, he hit multiple zigzag. He uh, he used a lot of different weapons, but yet all Dolph had to do was hit a uh, was hit a claymore kick to counter a uh, a super kick. And it was it was over. So hold on, you uh, said Dol- all Dolph had to do was hit a claymore. Oh, I, I mean, all Drew had to do was hit the claymore to counter um, Dolph's super kick. That's which what I meant to say. Yeah, which actually, yeah, which he did. That's yeah. A, yeah, that was the ending. That's all. That's all he needed. And, and and you mean to tell me that after all those weapons, after after Dolph got to pick the stipulation. You know that that's that's the ending you're gonna go with. You know, it, it's just what's the point? 
You know, but then again, you know, my my question when this match was announced, well, what's the point of having Dolph challenge for the championship? And what, what makes this even worse is this it, this isn't the only match that Dolph and Drew are going to have. They're going to have another one at SummerSlam because, because that's all they have. Raw... Raw as a brand doesn't have the the necessary depth in terms of in terms of heels to go up against um, their their top baby face. I mean, there's literally no one else for Drew to face off against. And that brings us to Ben's favorite match of the night: the uh, swamp fight, Braun okay. Strowman okay, versus well, Bray well, Wyatt. First off, you're a smart ass, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> what? And I was then, told that you. I was told that you like that. I, 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 I told the producers, yo, this isn't Ben's favorite match. They told me to say that. Well, then the producers on this show suck. Okay. And I know who the producer is, so I'm talking directly <laughs> to you, Mister Producer. <laughs> Um, I I was actually friends with this producer at one point in time, but at, at, at this at this point in time, I'm reconsidering my options. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, uh, nonetheless, I was I was reconsidering my my uh, fandom in WWE after this, uh, because you know. I defy you to find one person, one person who who didn't believe that the match was going to end the way it did. Everybody knew that that uh, Bray was going to end up in the water and eventually he'll come back as the fiend because he was in the so-called Lake of Reincarnation. You even like getting the fiend though? No, no, I don't. I think, um, I think that um, at at this point, at least for me personally, the fiend character has been so damaged and so oh, right and so mishandled that I don't want to see him anymore. I really don't see the point in in using the fiend anymore, and that hurts my heart to say that. Because that that was the coolest character that WWE slash Wyndham Rotunda has come up with in the last I don't know how long it, I would say at least a decade for um, for WWE maybe even longer than that um, but they have just absolutely destroyed uh, destroyed the fiend I mean. Not, not only did you have him lose to Seth Rollins in, uh, at Hell in a Cell in 2019, which was, which was arguably the worst booking decision that I've ever seen. Because to me, that was, tailor, that was a tailor-made coronation for The Fiend as um, WWE champion at that point in time. That would the rest of that show could have sucked donkey dick, 
And all, all you had to do, all you had to do was put the title on, on Bray, and everybody would have went crazy for him. That was, I mean, that was all you had to do was one booking decision, and they couldn't make it. Uh, and and I didn't think that it would even be in the same ballpark to be talking about a worse booking decision being made in the same year with the same character. But, but what did we get? We got Bill fucking Goldberg beating The Fiend in three minutes at... Uh, you know, the Saudi shit show or whatever the fuck it's called. I don't even care. To me, it will always be the, the, the Saudi shit show. Um, you know, it, but it's just, it was just absolutely ridiculous that you would use a part-time Bill Goldberg to destroy the best character you have in WWE, period. Now, you know what? Hopefully, this whole COVID thing will make well even though we know it won't but hopefully it will have make WWE think of their dealings with uh continuing this uh Saudi business arrangement that they have. Well at, at this point, I mean it's it's gonna be delayed for who who knows how long just because of just because of necessity at this point because um, legally, I'm not sure you can go over there. I'm saying, um, I'm, I'm saying, they just get rid of the whole, that whole thing altogether. That's it. Be done with that. Already. Well, well, I, I think they should. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about it. I think it was disgusting from the get go. Yep. Um. So I, I don't, I don't need to go into another, uh, you know rant about my feelings about the Saudi government getting involved with WWE. Um, but uh, to me, to me, all you have to do is utter two words as to why that deal is such bullshit. And those two words are, are Jamal Khashoggi. That's it. That's all you have to say. Hey, um, so, go on. But, you know, I mean, this match was just so hokey and so stupid. <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't even a match. It was like a half Firefly Funhouse match and half, you know, half a regular match. I mean, it, you know, it, at what point in this match, and I'm, I'm, I'm being serious, this is a dead-ass serious question. At any point in this situation, were you entertained? No. Neither was I, and and that's terrible. But believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, that was holy shit. That was the main event, and what and what actually I'm, I'm holy shitting. And you'll you'll I think you you might have to um, mute the show for a few seconds just out of protest when I read you this. Uh oh. So, so the the site that I'm using now. Hold on, before that, before you go on, is that four one one? Yeah. Because you know what? No, actually, uh, I was using that earlier this week. I kind of like that one a lot better than uh, the one that I've been using. I just use that as a quick results, but I like a 
because they give grades to these shows. Well, yeah, and that's why I use them. But listen, yeah. listen to th listen to this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much faith you want to place in this site's opinion because check this I don't out. Know. I don't know. They, out of out of ten, they rate this show a seven. And here was the um, and here was the rationale for that. He goes, I quite enjoyed this show. Once again, it was under three hours, and I appreciate the hell out of that. Uh, side note that, um, t and this is me talking, side note, that's about the only thing I enjoyed about this show. Um, but the guy goes on to say that I didn't like the swamp gimmick, but everything else was good, or at the very least, solid. There were some issues with finishes. No shit. Uh, he said, uh, namely Sasha and Asuka and Seth and Ray. Uh, but the whole show was an easy, entertaining watch. Um, let me break. Let me break down the stupidity. What? Ladies and gentlemen, um, you know I understand that everybody's entitled to their opinion, and uh, so so once again, um, let me. Uh, let me point out the double standard slash stupidity of these comments. So this particular gentleman who I'm not going to name just strictly out of respect because everybody has their own opinions and I'm not, I'm not trying to rail on him. Um, but he said that he didn't like the swamp gimmick or several finishes. But in the same sentence, he says the whole show was an easy slash entertaining watch. Um, how is that possible when you're um, when you're discrediting the finishes of two of you know three major matches of the show, but yet you still found the show entertaining? Um, you know, and I, I I understand that I can come out, come off on this show as a very harsh uh, critic, ladies and gentlemen. I understand that, um, but I just I I have a deep and abiding appreciation of logic and storytelling, and as a wrestling fan, that's what I look for the most. I just want shit that makes sense, and when when shit just doesn't make sense for the sake of not making sense, uh, which is what, how this show came off to me, um, I got a significant problem with that. But um, I, I'm just I'm just I'm not sure where uh, the guy that wrote this review is coming from. I don't understand how you can critique the finishes of three matches and those critiques were very warranted mind you but but yet still say that this that this show as a concept was easy and entertaining to watch i mean what sense does that make so um before my head explodes out of sheer confusion um i'm going to uh or, or we are going to move on to our review of Slammiversary. And Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Make way, make way for the new kings. We are the new kings. Winning this fight tonight with our name lit up. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this is our first time uh, discussing Impact Wrestling on this show since they since they moved to the um, Pursuit Channel. Pursuit? No, they're not. They're not on Pursuit. Oh yeah, since they moved to Pursuit because they're not on there anymore. They're on Access now. Yeah, I uh, I don't think we've we've discussed that since we were. Uh, since we looked at uh, the Pursuit Channel's Twitter account to try to figure out to try to figure out why um, a wrestling show was present on a hunting and fishing oh, channel. Oh, jeez. Two completely different worlds. I don't understand the connection there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to get into uh, our first pay-per-view for Impact Wrestling. Yes, absolutely. And this is Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. And it took place on July 18th, the last weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. So, Ben, we have the opening match. We have the Motor City Machine Guns returning for the opening challenge match to feed the Rascals. Um, yeah, I uh, I was very um, I was very surprised to see um, Alex Shelley and Chris Steven because the last time um, the last time I saw them they they had made it well I know Alex I think it was Alex Shelley he made a cameo appearance um, in NXT alongside. I want to say alongside Kushida because yeah, he, the time splitters. Yeah, um, so that was the last time I had seen him. Um, so it, it, it was kind of interesting because you know the Motor City Machine Guns are one of Impact's best and most well-known tag teams um, of of the past. So it was it was kind of. It was kind of interesting to see them, and um, and I wasn't hating on it because I was always a big fan of of the machine guns, especially especially Chris Saban. So I wasn't hating on that at all. All right, next we had open rules match: Moose defeating Tommy Dreamer, and already this pay per view. Um, okay, because uh, anytime I see Tommy Dreamer on my screen. Well, but but here's here's the thing, right? So so this is this is what honestly confuses me, and this is this isn't a criticism. I was legitimately confused. Okay, they have said numerous times on on TV and on this pay per view that Moose is not the recognized. Uh, world champion impact but yet the match is still billed as being for the tna world heavyweight championship um okay but but in addition to the issue that i just talked about where he's not the recognized champion number one uh number two the company is not known as tna anymore so using TNA in any capacity and calling it the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, 
uh, when you're at one, your actual championship that you were using is missing because it's in the possession of of Tessa Blanchard, who is reportedly holding it hostage for a hundred and fifty a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in Canada. Uh, so you have you have two major issues there. And and the third is, um, I can't I can't tell why they're they're using the TNA uh, championship at all. Um, when when on this show, uh, and furthermore on Twitter after the fact, they were showcasing a new. Impact Wrestling World Championship. So technically, technically, if you wanna, if you wanna call call it what it is, it, it could be argued, Elio, that as of right now, Impact has three World Heavyweight Titles in play. Um. So, I mean, what the fuck? Is my head not supposed to explode? And, and and with that being said, why my number one problem with this, why is it being billed as the TNA World Heavyweight title when you already said that there is no TNA World Heavyweight title? I think uh, there uh, a while back uh, there, there was talk about bringing back the TNA name or something is what I heard. Which I okay, don't under, which I don't understand. But they didn't make that cl- they didn't make that clear when this match was going on. Yeah, I, I I didn't understand. I don't understand like if that was just a one night only thing or I don't know. So yeah, uh, that's but, that's confusing. So all of those things that I just mentioned, even though I had no problem with this match, and I'm actually I was actually quite impressed that. Tommy Dreamer can still move the way that he does, considering one, how old he was, and two, um, the amount of punishment that he took. Wait, wait, wait. Are you um, a Tommy Dreamer fan? Yeah, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ben's final show. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, he is a fan of Tommy Dreamer and Taz, but yet he's a fan of the Iconics. I love the Iconics. They are my girls. They fucking suck. No, they don't. Tommy Dreamer sucks. (laughs) Well, he's certainly more incredible as a professional wrestler than the fucking Iconics. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if the Iconics ever listen to this, look, I'm going after the gimmick. I'm not going after you personally. I just can't stand the gimmick. Sorry. In the, um, in the, in the third match, we had a number one contenders match for the Knockouts Championship. It was a gauntlet match with Kylie Ray defeating Alicia Edwards, Jessica Havoc, Katie Forbes, Kyrie, Kyra Hogan, Kimberly Mazarin, Neva, and Rosemary. Okay, Su- okay. Su- Susie, Tasha Steele, and Taya Valkyrie. 
Can I just can I just say this was the the ending to this was so stupid. So stupid. I don't ha I don't have a problem with any of of the ladies uh in in this match, right? But what I'm what I'm legitimately confused by is you, your final three competitors were Rosemary, Taya Valkyrie, and Kylie Ray. Okay? Now, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about Rosemary, she would have been my pick because one, she's got the coolest gimmick and I think is the most talented wrestler out of out of the three. That's number uh, two from not, number one number one is she's Canadian. Well, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> Go on. And TNA uh, was based out of Canada for a while, but that's uh, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, between the three of these, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have Kylie Ray take out two of your most credible competitors. You know, I don't I don't have an issue with Kylie Ray. I think she's very talented. Um, I do, but uh, you know when it comes when it comes down to uh, believability, as as someone's gonna kick your ass and become the next women's champion, I'm sorry, you're not gonna have you're not gonna see me picking Kylie Ray over Taya Valkyrie and especially Rosemary. You think so Taya Valkyrie is gonna end up in WWE? Um, I, well, I think she could. Um, I, I think, I think uh, TNA could have done uh, so much more with her than, than they've actually done because I, I, I see a lot of, I, I see a lot more potential in, in Taya than, than what they've used her for in, uh, in Impact. So, um, but if it were up to me, I would have, I would have had the final two uh, be Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie, and then and then Rosemary gets gets the nod over Taya. Um, that would have been the way that I had booked it because to to me, um, that's a that's a much more believable um, believable uh, championship uh, contest between Taya Valkyrie and who and who was the the impact uh women's champion before the end of the before the end of the night that being uh jordan grace um i know i i am i am aware of the fact that uh diana perrazzo uh was the champion at the end of the night but before uh, before the before yep. the match took place jordan grace was yep. the champion so um, so as for as for this matchup, it would it would have been much more believable to me to have Taya Valkyrie go against Jordan Grace from a physical perspective. Okay, in the next one we have the X Division Championship, Chris Bay defeating Willie Mack. I was actually very um, very pleased with this. I have been a fan of. Um, of Chris Bay, um, for for a long for a long time, 
uh, since the first time I've seen him. And actually, actually, what's what's even cooler now is I'm getting a cl- a close up of a tattoo on his chest as uh, as I'm looking at the rundown for this, and he he just he just scored some more coolness points because he has a wrestling ring tattooed on his chest. <laughs> wow. I I think that I think that that is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, but from a, from a, from an athletic standpoint, I think um, I think that he has always had the um, has always had the potential to be to be a champion uh, from the from the first time I saw him. You know who Chris Bay kind of reminds me of, and I, I can't really put my finger on it as to why, oh. uh, but he, he kind of reminds me of a Isaiah Swerve Scott kind of uh, kind of uh, performer. Okay. Um, don't ask me why, but that's just that's just something I associate the two of them together in terms of uh, in-ring talent. All right, so next we had for the World Tag Team Championships in the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander defeating Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. Um, this team is so confusing to me. Are they actually, are they actually both uh, faces? Well, they're both. Shamrock, Shamrock and Callahan? Well, last time I checked, they were both heels. So it- Shamrock's a heel. Okay, see, this is how long I haven't watched Impact Wrestling. I didn't know Shamrock was a heel. Yeah. Um, I had I seen very little of it um, since, uh, since a long time ago. Um, I had only I just recently started keeping an eye on it again because um, they came back on Twitch. Yeah, but, they're, but they're, are they still doing MP arenas? Yeah. See, that's uh, that's the thing about Impact Wrestling. Like, I want to watch it. I want to. I keep saying I want to, but it's like they're still they still got the MP arena thing going. Well, I mean, but but in, in all fairness, that's everybody. Everybody has the MP arena thing. Not really. The baby and uh, AEW have like. Uh, wrestlers in their crowd well well I, I i still call it an empty arena for wwe because because even even with the nxt recruits in there they're, they're terrible aren't they they're like robots at least at least i can buy into aew having a legitimate crowd because they actually inject some enthusiasm but and by enthusiasm i mean real enthusiasm not this fake Fucking stupid bullshit. I know. That's what I hate. I, I, I can't. I can't take it. Is, is yeah. that that reaction is so fake? Because you know it's uh, not real fans. It's like NXT performers. Okay. I, that, I love you. I love you, man. I just what you just what you just said right there. I love doing this show with you. <laughs> Then the, the, we had the match that we were talking about uh, for the Knockouts Championship, Diana Perazzo defeating Jordan Grace. And this. I, I actually, my entire time I was, I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, why the hell 
what wasn't Deanna Prazo a bigger player in NXT? I know, right? Um, you know, I really think NXT dropped the ball on them, or dropped the ball on uh, on Deanna Prazo, excuse me, because to me, uh, you know, she has everything that I'm looking for. In a, in a female pro wrestler. I mean, she just has, she's so smooth, um, and and she's actually, believe, it's very rare uh, that a, a woman as, as beautiful and as talented as she is can actually make me believe that she's going to kick someone's ass. Like, she's, like, she's a no bullshit, no, like, no thrills, a professional wrestler, and I, I, I appreciate that. And the, and the last time that I that I felt that way about uh, a female pro wrestler was uh, Shayna Baszler before she got called up to the main roster, and then of course Shayna Baszler just got permanently fucked um, by Vince McMahon not liking the fact that she wasn't a blonde. Um, you know, but it's just. Um, it's very sad to me that um, that Deanna Praza wasn't taken seriously on NXT because I think in, in this match, um, her and her and Jordan Grace really uh, epitomized to me what real physical ass kicking women's professional wrestling should be. And, um, you know, I, I honestly, I don't think that this loss will hurt Jordan Grace that much because I think that, that she has, she showed me much more potential in this match than I'd ever seen from her. Um, and for me, in, for me in the past, um, Jordan has, had always been missing something, but she, she proved uh, something to me in this match um, here. And, uh, and one of the things that I, that I very much appreciated from, from this match was how technical it was uh, throughout the entire contest. Um, you know, because it was, it was really focused on, on grappling and, uh, and just technical wrestling. Um, in, in terms of targeting a body part and and really going to work on it before uh, being able to, to force a tap. Um, and if you if you go back and watch this match, I think I think you'll see just how uh, how smooth it was and it was it was really eye opening because I had I had not seen a women's match this good in a very long time. So it was very refreshing. And especially given the fact that I admittedly am not as familiar with Jordan Grace as I feel I should be, especially after watching this match. So uh, huge, uh, huge credit to these two ladies for really opening my eyes. All right. And in the main event, a five-way elimination match for the Impact World Championship, Eddie Edwards defeating Ace Austin. Eric Young, Rich Swan, and Trey of the Rascals. Okay, uh, why was uh, why was Eric Young 
in in this situation. This was surprising. I that was surprising. Eric Young. Uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised that you returned to TNA. I mean, that's what, that's where he had the biggest uh, success of his of no, his career. No, I, I, okay. All right. But all all I'm saying all I'm saying is is to have him attack uh, Rich Swan the way he did, and to have that be the be the focus rather than rather than Eric Young trying to capture the um, the championship. What was very confusing to me. Um, okay. So it's just, um, it's just. Why would he target Rich Swan out of nowhere and and forget about the title? So that made no sense to me. But in terms of, in terms of the winner of the match, I was very surprised. Um, I would have, I would have done something a little bit different. Because to me, the most appealing, the, the most appealing option to win the, the, the title out of these five guys would have would have been would have been Ace Austin. Um, I I, just, I I I find him to be the most uh, compelling out of out of the five guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I just looked over the Ben's contract, and it is uh, slowly expiring. Oh fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) And and who would you have win this match? Actually, hold on. Wait, wait. Let me uh, let me take another look. No, actually, you know what? After because I just I just looked back at uh, the names in the match. So you're 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 good. Ace Austin would be would be a good good pick. Uh, well, thank you for actually paying attention to the names in the match. <laughs> good, good <laughs> Christ! You, you, you make me look like you make me look like a moron, only to say, "Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Hat in hand. <laughs> I was wrong. You were right. Thank you very much for that." This is terrible. Not for his impression. My word. My word. <laughs> Alright, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our coverage of Slammiversary. We are now going to turn things over to my co-host, Benjamin, for his review of Monday Night Raw. so good uh yes um monday night raw this this week now in terms of uh quality of wwe shows and and in terms of making sense uh this one wasn't that bad um i know right (laughs) and i i i can't believe i'm actually gonna give monday night raw some credit because what's going um, on Over, over the last uh, two or three, over the last two or three years, it's it's done uh, nothing nothing short of suck on a continual basis. 
So I'm very, I'm very surprised and very refreshed at the fact that I can actually give money and Raw some credit. Um, so Raw starts out with um, the leader of the Messiah Ministry coming out to explain. Hold on, wait a minute, hold on. Is that what they're calling it, the Messiah Ministry? No, that, no, that's something I came up with. That's cool. I like that. Yes, it, it's 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 much better than him being called the Monday Night Messiah because it's like the Messiah of what? <laughs> he 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 he, ha, he has one follower, and we don't know what the hell the greater good is. What is he the Messiah of? I, I see when the greater good. Oh, okay, go on. <laughs> but anyway, um, before before we go down that dark hallway again, um, so he comes out to explain that um, he understands that Ray's eye came out of his socket. Uh, he understood what the stipulation meant. Um, but he was, he was not, he was not expecting, um, the, the visual of Ray's eye popping out to affect him the way that it did. Obviously, oh, that, that was stupid and disgusting. Obviously, obviously we saw Seth, uh, pull off a very, uh, disgusting vomit spot. <laughs> right, um, come on. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I was actually more bothered than that, but, I was actually more bothered by that than the, the incredibly fake-looking eye pop-out. <laughs> right. um, <clears throat> but anyway, he says that visual will stay in his memories forever. Um, it, it made him sick to his stomach. Well, obviously it did because we, we, we just saw the fact that you puked before <laughs> right. you came out here because uh, we got highlights of the match before, before Rollins ever came out here. Um, he, he's, he, he said that uh, we cannot d dwell on the past, and the beauty of this of this whole thing is that uh, Ray is out of sight. <laughs> out of sight, eye for an eye. Oh my god, once again, we're, we're reminded. Ah, ha, ha, ha. That was so funny. Ah, uh, I, I forgot to laugh. <laughs> My stomach hurts. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> that was some bad acting. Black Hope uh, was. It was. It was terrible. So then, so then to add to the, to add to the bad taste in my mouth from this segment, Alistair Black comes out. <sighs> this guy, jeez. To to explain that uh, Seth isn't going to deflect any blame. Onto anyone but himself, uh, and that he's out here to rectify the issue. Um, I now, now far be it for me to expect logic, um, but I need to point this out. Elio, can you can you explain to me why Alistair Black? has decided to be a glorified babysitter and take up the cause for Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo. I don't, I don't know. This guy used to be this uh, 
big tough guy that was that wanted people to knock on his door and pick a fight with him. And now they this they've turned him into this. Well, and I hated that gimmick too. You know, the, I would like to I would like to hear Alistair Black's entrance music again. And I would I would like to actually take him seriously as a legitimate ass kicker because to me, Alistair Black just has money written all over him, and instead of, instead of doing what they should be doing, they're shitting all over him like a mid-card talent in, in the 80s. I mean, what the hell is going on here? You know, to me, he's being treated worse than Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert, that's bad. Oh, um, well, that, that's how bad that this has become. I know. So, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. When, when, when uh, we're comparing him to Gilbert, the way they treated Gilbert, that's terrible. Absolutely. So then we go to a, a commercial, and match one is unfortunately Seth Rollins versus Aleister Black. And once again, um, Right, right after um, Black hits a, a Black Mass, we go to a commercial break. God, I, you know, I said it last week, and I think I've said it numerous times over the last month. I, I'm really growing to despise the placement of commercials on wrestling television. Yeah, I've never liked that when they, they're like, we will be right back. This match continues. I don't like that. Because one, one, and and this is just me, right? But if you want me to believe that a wrestling match is an actual fight, then then I, as a fan watching it, I should be able to believe that the match could end at any time. And if you go to a commercial, I might miss something important. Right. That's how I want to feel when I'm watching wrestling. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, and I, I don't see that. I don't see any sense of urgency with the, with these matches. Um, so that that really bothers me. Um, but then we then we get back from uh, the uh, the commercial and Black actually pins. Uh, Seth Rollins, which I would I would be happy about this. Or actually, I'm I'm sorry, I I, I messed up. I meant to say uh, I meant to say Seth Rollins gets gets the pin on Black, not the other way around. Um, but uh, what really bothers me about this is that whatever you want to say about Seth Rollins and his handling of himself on social media or whatever. You know, he, in between the ropes, he is a fantastic wrestler, and so is, so is Aleister Black, and I should be excited um, when these two get in the ring. Uh, unfortunately, I can't be anymore uh, because we've seen it so many times. They should, have, they should have held off and had this match either – for the first time at Extreme Rules, or if you really wanted to do it the right way, have it for the first time at SummerSlam, uh, your second biggest show of the year. Uh, now, I can't even count 
the amount of times that I've seen Aleister Black versus Seth Rollins in 2020. So to me, that match has completely lost its luster and I no longer care. And that, and see, that's what I hate when we're talking about WWE because when you make me not care about the performers when really that's all I want to care about, I got an, I have an issue with that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I want to care. I want to care about the performers, uh, but then these matches and the way they use them is just really bad. It's just terrible. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so after after this match, we have a uh, we have another video package where um, MVP crowned himself the new U.S. championship. Yes. Oh. Or the new U.S. champion after a forfeit by <laughs> uh, by Apollo Crews when he wasn't even there. All right. How can someone forfeit a match and not even be there? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was I was I expecting too much logic? Um. Ben, I for I for I forfeited our match even though I wasn't there. Uh, it's cool. just, what were the what were the two B words we used earlier? Bullshit and buffoonery. Yeah, I think this applies. Yeah. Um, but then we have uh, we have a backstage segment with MVP Lashley and Farouk. Now, why Farouk is involved in this? I, I know, know why. I know, I know why. I know why. Actually, I know why. <sighs> Go ahead. Uh, there's been talk about um, bringing back a new nation of domination stable. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, well, breaking news, motherfuckers. Uh, not not you, Elio. I'm talking to the dumbasses in WWE <laughs> management. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I hate to, I hate to, to speak too much truth for you dumbasses, um, but, um, pardon me if I'm wrong, but in the current climate of 2020 and racial relations, do you really think that a, a new nation of domination would work in 2020 and not be considered extremely racist? Nope, um, it wouldn't work. Oh my God! So, so, all, so all you fans, I want the attitude right back. Forget about it. You can't handle what you're seeing on TV in 2020, so you don't get the attitude era. Well, and believe me, there were as much as I'm a fan of of the attitude era and, and what it meant to wrestling and how exciting it was. I liked some yeah. of the I liked some of the guys who like we gave us Rock and Austin and all that, but like. The matches and just like the segments were just terrible. When well, I so, some, so when some, I was, some of them were not yeah. all of them, but you know when when you have when you have a guy getting his his dick chopped off, yeah, and an old lady having sex with, with a black guy and then giving birth to a hand. Yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like not all the segments were yeah. Like this is your life. I was dying when the rock did. This is your life with Big Foley. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would agree with you there. 
Um, but yeah, suffice to say that in 2020, a new nation of domination would be a clusterfuck on ice. Um, speaking of the only thing that showed that I considered not to be a clusterfuck was the return of Mustafa Ali. Hold on, hold on, you, 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 hold on you forgot there was actually a match that, well, you can't really call it a match, so it's okay. Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin um, winning it 24-7. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't care. That's who asked. Wait, you can't call it. There's a reason. Go on. There's a reason why I skipped it, Elio. My bad. Go on. So, Ladies and gentlemen, this is my last show. Yeah, well, uh, I can guarantee it will be more entertaining when it's just me. Because <laughs> we, we don't have to listen to any iconic bullshit or, uh, or, any, of your, or any of your stupid, you know... <laughs> What, whatever the fuck things that you deal with. What? I'm, I, I'm kidding, people. I love my co-host, but I just, I hate his iconic references, so any opportunity that I get to bring that up, I have to. Anywho, um, before I was interrupted with useless crap, uh, so uh, Mustafa Ali comes out of hiding, I was about to put his face on a milk carton. Um, hold on, hold on, sorry, before you go on. So we we're, we're not we're not getting the hacker storyline anymore, are we? Uh, no, because oh, apparently, apparently WWE just wants to treat us like we're a bunch of short attention span people and <laughs> act like that never existed. So apparently, they said it was. So anyway, be, it was they they. Apparently they said it was gonna be Mustafa Ali behind it. Yeah, I I, uh, I had heard that it was either gonna be him or um, Xavier Woods. I I I would have found it uh, more entertaining had it been Mustafa Ali, but for some reason they chose uh, not to continue with that, even though they interjected it into one of his. One of their biggest storylines at the time, that being uh, that being Otis, Mandy Rose, and Dolph Ziggler. So uh, it's just weird that they dropped it. But anyway, uh, moving on, we get a uh, a six man tag match with MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander, Ricochet, and the returning. Mustafa Ali. I love Mustafa Ali, so I uh, I got a big kick out of this. Um, you know, I just I I don't need to see MVP wrestle in 2020, but in, in any match, it's gonna involve Cedric Alexander, Ricochet, and Ali in in a winning capacity. Again, we've said we've said this numerous times. I thought MVP retired from entering competition. Yeah, yeah, I thought he came back to wrestle Rey Mysterio because it was it was his five year old's favorite wrestler, and he was gonna retire by wrestling his son's favorite wrestler. That was what I understood, but apparently not. I mean, having said that, I really do enjoy uh, 
MVP in a managerial role. I just don't need to see him in the ring in 2020, largely because I just don't want to see him hurt himself. Um, but we get, um, after that, we get Orton talking about the upcoming uh, non-sanctioned match he has later tonight with the Big Show. And he's reminiscing to, to uh, when he was in Evolution and when he beat Mick Foley and when he was the youngest champ in history before someone named Brock Lesnar came along. Um, and, then, and then after that, we get uh, reminded that it's been 175 days since he performed the concerto on Edge. Uh, this whole um, promo was fantastic. Um, <coughs> uh, excuse me. As I, as I've said from from the very beginning, if if we were to grade this Edge versus um, Randy Orton program strictly on promos, I think that this would rank among the best um, among the best. Uh, of all time, to, to tell you the truth. I, from a promo perspective, it has been absolutely incredible. And, I, and I've never seen better work from uh, from Randy Orton on such a consistent basis. If, if this is what Randy Orton has always been capable of, then why are we, why are we just seeing this now? I mean, I, I haven't seen this compelling of a version of um, – of Randy Orton since 2009, when he was uh, when he was uh, doing the rope hang DDT and making out with uh, Stephanie McMahon, who was unconscious at the time. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, next up we get Ruby Riot versus Peyton Royce, and uh, the best thing I can say about this match is that. Thank the Lord and bless the flying monkeys because Ruby Riot won. Thank the Lord. I don't care. You know what? They're still. You fucking suck. <laughs> so anyway, um, we have a backstage interview with Andrade, Angel Garza, and Selena Vega. Uh, and she's wondering, uh, she's wondering how they're going to get on the same page, uh, considering that they have a match coming up after the break. Uh, Selena cuts her off, uh, and off we go into the match. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, there's really nothing to say about this match other than, other than this insane Frog splash that was hit by Montez Ford. Um, it it was it, it was a it started out as a regular frog splash, still got high elevation. But w- what was really impressive is that he completely changed the direction of his body in midair and hit that and hit that frog splash square. I mean. I'll t- Montez Ford may be one of the best pure athletes that WWE has today, and I I see big things for him once the Street Profits cease to exist. 
Um, because, you know, for the longest time when they were in NXT, you know, the Street Profits were like my favorite tag team. Uh, they reminded me of a, like a more athletic Harlem Heat. Um, and, uh, you know, but the way that the Street Profits have been booked since they came out to the main roster, as is the case with the vast majority of NXT call-ups, has been, has been completely subpar. Um, <clears throat> let's see. And then uh, backstage after the, after the loss, uh, Selena gets pissed off. And then, of course... Right after this, Bailey takes the ring, and both her and uh, no, I don't want to bask in Robin's ad long trying to do this review. Thank you. Okay, click off of that. Okay. Um. So anyway, uh, we have uh, Sasha and Bailey in the middle of the ring. Uh, they are bragging about being double champions coming out of Extreme Rules. And up comes uh, up comes Stephanie McMahon on the Titan trying to dispute that claim uh, because um, because that's not the case because of the of the way that the three count went down courtesy of Bailey last night at Extreme Rules as we just discussed in our in our. Uh, Extreme Rules review, so I don't have to do that again. Uh, but uh, next week, next week we will have a definitive title match to determine the rightful champion. And um, in order to avoid interference, courtesy of Bailey, uh, Steph makes it clear that Sasha can lose via pinfall, submission, DQ, countout, or or I, I meant to say Sasha can lose if a certain role model gets involved. So this leads us to a match between Bailey and the retiring um, uh, and the retiring Kyrie Zane. Apparently, and I've looked this up on multiple on uh, multiple sources. So I feel very uh, confident in saying that this was um, Kyrie Zane's last match. I love uh, this. I love this team right here. Yeah, I, I did too. Right there, they're they're iconic too. Well, no, they're. I can assure you, they're much better than iconic. You're right. They're um, iconic times two. <laughs> Go on. God, <laughs> ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we we interrupt this regularly scheduled raw review with a very urgent question from my co-host, Mr. Elio Canella. And my question to you, sir, is this: What do I have to do to get you to stop making all these iconic references? Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, Elio is ignoring me. Why? Why? Why did you mute me for? I didn't mute you. You muted yourself. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, yeah, he 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 would rather mute himself than give me an honest answer. 
So uh, Kyrie Zane got the pan in that situation as a way to say uh, thank you for her service. So the, the way that I understood it was Bailey actually insisted on taking the loss uh, from Kyrie Zane. So that was a, a classy move, if that's true. Um, but can I say, uh, we need to do something uh, still. We need to do something about Bailey's hair. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's not working. Um, but then we have, we have another promo featuring uh, McIntyre and Ziggler. And uh, the long and the short end of this is that um, for their next uh, c- confrontation at SummerSlam, uh, the roles are reversed with uh, Drew um, getting to pick the stipulation. And as my, co- as my co-host disappears into the distance, um, because he doesn't want to hear about Dolphin Drew taking place at SummerSlam again, uh, for which I don't blame him. Um, Dolph wants to know the stipulation, but Drew is playing the same game with Dolph as Dolph played with Drew. I heard uh, they're going to do a hair versus hair match. <laughs> well, God, I hope not, because that would suck. Um, but I, I just don't care. So then we have we have 15 minutes left in the show for uh, the unsanctioned main event between Randy Orton and the Big Show. Um, you know, and I just, to be honest with you, I really don't care. Uh, it just became a series of run-ins with uh, Andrade and Garza and the Viking Raiders and whatever the hell. Um, so even though even though it was good wrestling, and I'm never gonna complain about an Orton match. It just it didn't feel very important to me. So, uh, with that being said, that is that is all we have for uh, tonight's Raw review, and I will throw it over to um, Mr. Canella for his take on NXT. NXT, oh, oh boy, this week's NXT wasn't uh, the greatest, so you didn't really miss much. No, I've, I've heard I didn't, I didn't miss much. So uh, we opened the show with uh, Killian Dane, with Dexter Loomis defeating Killian Dane. And then we go backstage where Gargan, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, and Roderick Strong are arguing uh, about their upcoming triple threat match because the show actually began with um, Keith Lee relinquishing the uh, North American Championship, saying that he wants other people in NXT to have an opportunity to fight for that that championship. And so there will be a series of uh, triple threat matches to determine who will go on to 
face off for that championship. So I guess they're, they're doing somewhat of a, like a little tournament thing here. Mm. Then we had Grizango defeating Everrise. Grizango came out dressed as Mounties. Yeah, I, I heard about that. There was a lot of Canadians on this show. Jeez, oh, I mean, you have Everrise, you have Tyler Breeze. Holy Jesus! But uh, this was a bad match. This wasn't good. Yeah, well, um, I, from what I've seen of Everrise, they definitely need some work for sure. Then we had Dakota Kai promo uh, she cut on uh, Yoshirai. Then we had Dominic Dijakovic promo backstage talking about his match with Karrion Cross. Our next match, we had Aliyah def- losing to Shotzi Blackheart. Following the match, uh, the Robert Stonebrand got a new signing with uh, Mercedes Martinez. That's just, that seems very random, and I... Uh... I will not be shy in expressing my absolute displeasure by that decision. And then in the in the triple threat match, Bronson Reed defeats Johnny Gargano and Roderick Strong to move on in the quest for the North American Championship. Timothy Thatcher defeats only Lorcan in a rematch from Green American Bash. And in the main event is Kerry Cross defeating Dominic Dejkovic. Well, everybody saw that coming. Yep. So let me let me ask you a question before we move on here. Um, what did what did you think about um about Keith Lee dro- dropping the uh, NX, NXT North American Championship? I don't know. I think uh, he wants to focus more on uh, the the heavyweight championship. So I don't really have a problem with it. Well, I but I don't have a problem with him dropping it. But if if, if he was always going to drop it, then why have him have a match with the two titles online in in the first place? This is true. I kind of didn't make sense when Vince McMahon booked that match. So that that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But um. Moving on to a show that actually refreshingly so made a lot. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with our AEW report. God damn it, you cut me off again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back against we're over to Ben for AEW. Ben. Before I was so rudely interrupted before the break, allow me to move on to... AEW Dynamite, and from front to back, my friend, I would have to say that this this card was very compelling. This was a fun show. Absolutely. Cause I'm TNT, I'm Dynamite, TNT, and I will not fight, TNT, I'm a power load, TNT, watch me Now, before you go on, you ever have that one show where there's just like a, a feeling in the air like it's going to be a special kind of show? Yeah. That was this. Absolutely. And man, oh man, did it start out hot. 
Um, all week long on Twitter, it was teased that a major independent star would be challenging Cody Rhodes for the uh, TNT championship. And that man turned out to be one of my favorite independent talents, Eddie Kingston. Um, I love Eddie Kingston because when he is in, when he's in the ring or cutting a promo, it really seems to me that he wants to tear your head off in an actual fight. I I mean, he comes off as a, to me as a guy who is a legitimate ass kicker. And another thing that I really enjoyed about this match was the art of Eddie Kingston selling his knee injury. That is something that is so lost in today's wrestling landscape is the art of effective, not over-the-top, selling. Make me believe that you are in an actual fight, and I, as a, as a fan, I will follow you wherever you take me on a journey in that ring because that, in terms of selling, um, you know, that's one of the things that drew me to wrestling in the first place because if you could make me believe that one of my favorites was hurt and had to fight back, I became more emotionally invested in that match. So uh, that's something that I appreciated. And for the first time since the inception of the TNA of the TNT title, I actually thought that Cody might lose. Um, so that's something that I uh, thoroughly appreciated. Um, and uh, the the use of the thumbtacks in this match, and just how beat up. Um, Cody Rhodes' back was after being whipped and and power bombed into thumbtacks. I mean, holy shit! I mean, I don't know what Cody was really trying to prove here, um, but it was um, it's very nice that um, he's putting himself on to this degree to get the TNT title over. Um, so I really, I really appreciated both man's efforts here, and I thought that this was easily the best match uh, as it relates to the TNT Championship. Um, so then after this, we get uh, a John Moxley promo uh, followed by an MJF match uh, featuring a jobber by the name of. Riff Riff Garrison. Oh, uh, if that's not the ultimate jobber name, stupidity, I don't know what it is. That was ridiculous. Um, it, but like I said, it was really just a glorified squash match. And then we get Britt Baker uh, yelling at her assistant, Reba, whose actual name is Rebel. Um, and then she goes over her her rules in the midst of her recovery from a fragile, fractured nose. Um, 
She goes, rule number four is never count out a role model. She says it's a temporary setback only to set up the biggest comeback of all time. Ben, uh, Ben, yeah. did you know that her name is not Britt Baker? She's actually Michael Jordan. <laughs> this was stupid. <laughs> this was really stupid. I, you know what? I kind of rolled my eyes at this one. I mean, nobody can compare themselves to Michael Jordan, for God's sake. <laughs> Especially not Britt Baker, when she's clearly not the best women's champion or w- women's wrestler. Period. I mean, she's not even in this. She's not even in the same stratosphere as Michael Jordan. So that that came off as very stupid. Um, so then Brian Cage comes out accompanied by my man Taz. Boo! Boo! Taz! <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, let me just clarify as to why Elio has jumped on the bandwagon of hating Taz. Uh, Elio does not have a personal issue with Taz. He is taking up for his friends on his other podcast that have an issue with Taz. No, I do have an issue with Taz. I, I've never been a Taz fan. Okay. And did you notice how he drew out the word fan? So, for, for our entertainment, uh, Elio, and for those that may not be aware of the extent of your hatred for Taz, uh, why don't you clue us all in as to why you don't like the former FTW champion. Because that FTW championship is bullshit. So it's not a, it's not even a recognized championship. It's some made up title that he had created for himself. Well, it, it, it's more entertaining than anything you could have come up with. No. Ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, that's it. We're meeting him. That's it. <laughs> Oh, God. He he actually muted me, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a mutiny on this show because he muted me, the motherfucker. Anyway. uh, So, uh, Taz says, shut the music off. And he goes on to explain that uh, Cage almost fired him because he threw in the towel. for him last week, but he explains why he did it, and he um, he stands behind his business decision because it, it will never happen to Cage ever again. Actually, and, that that, uh, was, that was a smart choice, a smart move in the towel. Yes, yes, from a from a storyline perspective, and it protects Cage, but it it it, it gave the win to. Um, to uh, Moxley, and really the only way that would have made any sense in my opinion. So then, after this explanation, out comes Darby Allen to get revenge on Cage, who is responsible for uh, Darby Allen being out for a month. Apparently, Darby Allen will be out even longer because he has a concussion now, courtesy of the 
of the clothesline to the back of the head from uh, Ricky Starks. So well, that, I, must, I, must not, I must have missed something because uh, so apparently Ricky Starks is a heel now. Always, always a heel. I don't know. I, I think he was always a heel, but now it's okay. just been uh, it's just been doubly affirmed because of, of his association with Taz. I mean, cause I, I just remember from uh, his match against Cody, I don't know whether he was a heel or a face in that match. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not sure. Cause I'm I'm not sure I saw that match. Oh, but okay. But I do, I do know that he's a heel now because of his association with Taz and Brian Cage, which is, which is actually a partnership that I have no problem with whatsoever. Watch out who you hang out with, Mr. Starks. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> See, we we have the we have to entertain uh, Mr. Canella on this show. And <laughs> Go and- on. And don't don't throw up any of your insurance because you got overly excited. Um, next up after this, we we have a very random um, falls count anywhere match, which which um, ended up being a, a kitchen brawl. Actually, between, I like I like uh, this one. Yeah, I I did too. But my my impression was that it was supposed to be. Either on the um, either on the fight for the fallen or fighter fast card, and for some reason it got pushed back because on this on this show itself it just it felt out of place to me, okay. and I wasn't sure why they were doing it. But anyway, it was actually uh, very entertaining, and um, three out of the four. Uh, combatants actually came out of this match quite banged up because um, there there were quite a few spots that looked uh, quite nasty. Uh, next up was a very um, was a very refreshing uh, con- contest in that it was actually a compelling uh, women's match in AEW, which is something that we haven't gotten very much of. Uh, between the mutually debuting Diamante and Ivelisse. And I I was a fan of Diamante with her run with the new LAX in TNA. And I've been a fan of Ivelisse since her days in, in Lucha Underground. So I was very excited about this. And NXT. Absolutely. Um, this one, I didn't mind this match, actually. This was uh, one of the better ones that I've seen. No, and, and credit to them, because I think that this was one of the better ones in AEW's women's division's uh, history, period. Did you notice the one spot where they were training shops? That's, uh, you see a lot of that in NJPW matches. Uh, yeah, I, and that was, that was something that I appreciated, because that was like a throwback. Uh, one of one of the matches that I felt was a was a downer was uh, was the one between Five and Hangman Page. Only, why? Only, why? Yeah, only because I was asking myself why is this match taking place? I didn't get it. Um, af- after the match, um, 
Paige is offered a spot in the Dark Order. Um, why? I don't know, because it's so obvious that he's going to uh, reject them because of his involvement in the storyline with Kenny Omega. So to me, that was just really stupid and just a time-filling uh, statement. Uh, after this, FTR shows up with a beer cooler and they beat the shit out of uh, Dark Order and uh, and FTR uh, makes friends with Adam Page by offering a, a beer and ignoring uh, Kenny Omega. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see uh, where these little story advancements ultimately lead in the eventual disbandment of Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Uh, next up, we have the Jurassic Express versus Inner Circle. I am so tired of the Jurassic Express. Uh, this is just me. I don't have a problem uh, with anybody outside of Marco Stunt from a talent perspective. I just really don't get the collective that is uh, the Jurassic Express. I don't find them entertaining at all. Um, but that's just me. Um, the, uh, the, the main event, uh, which was this match, had a very uh, significant dip in quality. Um, uh, in the middle of it, it kind of dragged, but then it picked back up once Serpenti Ser Serpentico uh, revealed himself to be the returning uh, Sammy Guevara, which is why my co-host just signaled to me uh, Servant Typico in quotes. And uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I even more so, I appreciated the return of uh, Sammy Guevara. And he... Um, Simi Guevara and AEW took a lot of heat online for uh, bringing, bringing Guevara back to AEW in only four weeks after his suspension. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, we've, we've discussed this before. Obviously, uh, Simi Guevara's comments uh, regarding Sasha Banks for disgusting. Uh, no, nobody is denying that um, they were absolutely disgusting. And if, and if those comments had been said about any women in my family, I would have knocked Simi Guevara unconscious. Um, no question about that whatsoever. Um, so uh, the, the reason the suspension... Uh, took place in the timing and the way in which it did was because um, the higher-ups at AEW were not aware of the comments um, prior to bringing uh, Sammy Guevara into AEW so that when uh, when they were made aware of the issues, um, they, they were handled appropriately at least in my opinion, by all parties involved, uh, both AEW and Sammy Guevara. I'm not sure what else you want the man to do. Uh, he admitted he made a mistake. Uh, he 
he clearly isn't the same guy he was four years ago. He apologized directly to Sasha Banks. Um, and in, in my book, if Sasha Banks accepts the apology, then everybody else needs to shut the fuck up because she's the only, she is the only one, in my opinion, that has the right to be upset regarding his actions and or the length of punishment. Other than that, everybody else just needs to shut the fuck up and let the kid make a living. Um, that's just me. But uh, that is my review of AEW, and out of 10, I would rank this show uh, in 8.5. I just, from front to back, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. And it got a million viewers. Yes, which which is the, which is the first time in a very long time uh, for either AEW or NXT that a million views was eclipsed. So um, overall, from from a wrestling perspective, in the middle of a pandemic, I found that very encouraging. Um, with that being said, we will move on to. LAO's review of Friday Night Smackdown, and thank you in advance for not making me do it. Are you ready? Insert toilet flush here. <laughs> yes. Okay, this show starts off with a PSA from Chef Hardy and Seamus cutting a promo and JBL saying that he will give his prediction as he knows oh, he, he he knows very well what he of all people knows more about bar fights than anyone. Being that he's been in so many of them and he's going to give his predictions later on tonight. I don't care. By the way, this isn't 2002 or 2003. By the way, he's not a legend because on a nameplate, when it showed him on the screen, it said WWE legend JBL. Yeah, well, clearly clearly they have a different definition of legend than I do. So Sasha and Bailey are out. They cut a promo. Nikki Cross comes out and says that she wants a rematch. Uh, of course, she's out with Alexa Bliss. Uh, Bailey says Nikki Cross will get her rematch if she can defeat her opponent tonight, Alexa Bliss, which leads into that match. And Nikki Cross defeats Alexa Bliss, so that means next week she gets um, Bailey in the championship match. However, the camera. Spent more time focusing on Sasha Banks and Bailey and the commentary table than in the ring. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, uh, you, you know, okay, let's say you're in the ring, you have a match, and you're in the ring, okay, you're in the ring, you're having your match. I'm out on commentary. The camera spends more time focused on me than it does in the ring where it should be. 
well, and to me, that's just that's just stupidity regarding uh, WWE camera work. Yep. Really. So, so I did not like that. Then we have a Firefly Funhouse, how he said, and uh, Bray Wyatt is talking to his lantern, saying that he had his turn. Now it's the Fiend's turn. And that he's been, un- the Fiend has been unleashed. I don't care. No, I don't care. And we have Maverick defeating Tony Nese afterwards. King Corbin comes out to cut a promo. Oh, God. And I can't believe he's still doing this King Corbin thing. Get me coming for no, just this. let it go. It's been how long? Seriously. Then we had a four way match with the winner receiving an Intercontinental Championship match against AJ Styles next week. It was Grand Metalik defeating Drew Gulak, Lindsay Dorado, and Chad Gable. So next week it'll be Grand Metalik getting an Intercontinental Championship match. Okay, can I can I say something here, please? Okay. Why in the hell would any of these combatants even be considered for an Intercontinental title opportunity? This was actually uh, one of one of one of the better matches on the show. I, no. I enjoyed this one. Well, and and be that as it may. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm sure it was. I didn't see it. Um, but you know, what have any of these combatants done to to warrant a an intercontinental title opportunity? Well, I mean, well, well, it's right. This is uh, their opportunity to earn a championship match. Uh, I, yeah, I, but, but you build talent up through a series of matches so that they earn the right to challenge for that. You know. You don't you don't just throw random mid carders from a non existent mid card okay. into a championship contending match. Alright. Then we had the Miz and Morrison vaccination that uh, led to their uh, dirt sheet segments and they had um, Naomi on there, which but they also had Lacey Evans on there. And of course, a brawl breaks up between them. And then that leads to the bar fight. <laughs> I, um, I've, I've heard this was better than the swan fight. Not that that says very much. I just, I didn't like this. I, don't, I didn't like this um, bar fight uh, at all. Well, I, she, I especially the way it started. Seamus just walks in. He's like, it's like, what's going on, fellas? Oh God! Well, I, I, the best thing that I can say is that hopefully, I pray to the wrestling gods above us all that this is the end of this godforsaken storyline. One, one thing that really hurt my heart is when Sheamus went to hit Jeff Hardy with an electric, with an electric guitar, and Hardy moved, and he and then he smashed the electric guitar into the wall. I'm like, how? Uh, it's you know it's just physically painful. Poor guitar. What did what did he ever do to I don't. that? Oh. 
So that was a that was a WWE SmackDown for this week. All right, and let's let's move on to uh, to the uh, to the DeLorean. We're gonna fire up the DeLorean, the Ben. Guess where we're going? We are going back to 1999, and fully loaded. This was actually. Uh, 21 years ago yesterday. Yes, sir. Um, Sunday, July 25th, 1999. Yes. And... Fully Loaded came just from the Marine Midland Arena in Buffalo, New York. Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary. And we had a total of nine matches on this card. And every card was was it like a different match, a different unique match. Yeah, I... Um... I, uh, I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed this card, especially the last two matches. This card on uh, in the first one we had Jeff Hardy defeating Edge for the, to become the new Intercontinental Jeff Jarrett, sorry, defeating Edge to become the new Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, and I I, um, I read somewhere that uh, this was done as a as a tribute to Owen Hart. Okay. Okay. Yep. I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of uh, where uh, Edge uh, won the championship. That one, because I remember that one took place at a live event here in Toronto. Yeah. All right, then it was a three-on-two handicap match. The Acolytes defeating Michael Hayes and the Hardy Boys to become the new tag team champions. What was Michael Hayes doing in that match? Michael Jesus Hayes. Christ. Michael Hayes, come on, man. And then we had another uh, championship match, European champion. Midian losing to Dilo Brown. Dilo Brown, your new European champion. I, I always thought Dilo Brown was, uh, was like underused. I always really liked him. Now this next match, I remember this feud on... For the Hardcore Championship, Big Boss Man defeating Al Snow was, this wasn't around the time of uh, Al Snow's Dog Pepper role, was it? Or was this after, um, or was this afterwards? Honestly, I, honestly, I remember his dog, but I, I can't remember the time frame of it. Okay, because I do remember they had a, a, a Hell in a Kennel match or something with all those dogs around the ring. That was just terrible. Uh, yeah, well, I, that, 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 that was almost as bad as, um, as um, Davey Boy Smith taking that backdrop into that bulldog shit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It was a Kennel from Hell match. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, okay, next, <laughs> next we had 
the big show defeating Kane, your special referee for this match was Hardcore Holly. Okay, maybe I maybe I missed something or this just, just wasn't explained in the match from a storyline perspective. But do you do you recall why uh, Hardcore Holly was a special guest referee there? Uh no. I don't remember. I don't anytime they had a special in matches, it always just seemed to be so random. Yeah, yeah, and this was this was definitely one of the more random decisions. Alright, then we had an iron circle match with Ken Shamrock defeating Steve Blackman. Okay, can we just call it what it was? It was a parking lot brawl. What the fuck? Is it? Hold on. Is that what it was? It was actually out in the parking lot. It was a parking lot brawl. Well, I mean, they called it an iron circle match, but it was yeah. Pretty, it was pretty much the same thing as like, um, you know, Eddie Guerrero um, and John Cena. I mean, it was the same thing. Okay. All right. Then we had. For the rights to the D-Generation X match, we had D-Generation X, X-Pac, and Road Dog defeating Billy Gunn in China. Well, we knew that was going to happen. Then a no-DQ, false count anywhere strap match, Triple H defeats The Rock. This is, this was, this was really good because it, um, you know, I, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite match. There's my favorite match between Triple H and The Rock was uh, SummerSlam '98 that ladder match. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was this was still pretty good. And in the main event, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating The Undertaker in a first blood match. Yeah, I actually, I actually really liked this match. I, I, um, I don't remember uh, ever having seen it before. Um, but I had an idea how it ended, but it, it turned, it turned out to be very, very good. All right. So that was uh, our review of WAF fully loaded 1999. We're going to take a break and we're going to be back to wrap the show up. Absolutely. All right, Ben, we see bring this week's show to a close. Yes, let's. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show for the week. I'm Elio. He's Ben. This is the PNCC Progression Wrestling Podcast. We will talk to you all next week. Ben, say goodbye to the fans. See you later, and uh, thanks for uh, hanging in there with us. On a, uh, hopefully, we were able to make this show a little bit shorter, but we definitely had a lot more shows to cover than usual. Um, I th- we cover like seven shows, and usually we do like four. So hopefully we kept you entertained the entire time and uh, we'll be back with our uh, regularly scheduled programming uh, next Saturday. And uh, until then, uh, try to remain wrestling fans and we will will do the same and uh, we'll talk to you next week.